Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, the Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Today's show, we're talking about women, veterans in history, housing, and success around all of those things. Joining us to talk about that, we'll be talking to Lucretia Parker, the Community Engagement Manager at the Military Women's Memorial, Dana Fachakovich and Rich Wilson from Michigan Ability Partners, and Fred Puffenberger, Executive Director of the VFW National Home for Children. We're talking about women in history. We're talking about women and getting access to housing, and we're talking about housing in general. What is there not to love about this show? We hope that you'll stick around and that you will come on back when we return from our break on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now back to your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, the Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. So again, today we're talking about Women's History Month, and we're also talking about success and housing. And just to talk about Women's History Month and women veterans in general, I have joining me today, Erica Hoover, who is a Navy veteran, but she also is the brand new Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator at the agency. So welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you, Director Adams. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So, I mean, you know, this is the first week of Women's History Month and, you know, we're going to talk about women in the military, but we want to talk to women as well, because uh, one of the things that we've learned and we've been learning over the course of time is that women veterans don't identify in the same manner that men do. And so um, we got to figure out how to change that, don't we? We do. Yeah, that's uh, one of the most important things that we need to do first. Uh, We haven't, you know, traditionally in Michigan, focused on women veterans. And actually, you know, this past year with, with my new position is the first time that we've ever actually um, called to called to action, you know, that we really need to fix this for women veterans in the state. And so, um, you know, we're working hard on identifying um, women veterans and that way we can connect to community and connect to benefits, which is so important, especially during this time um, during COVID and, you know, being at home. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, recognizing that women veterans served is important, not just for the public, but it's important for women veterans to know that, you know, it's okay to identify that you've served because otherwise you're missing out on some of these great opportunities. And, and so I wanted to highlight really quickly, I wanted to talk about, you know, Dr. Mary Walker. Now, you know, I was looking at an army.mil article and it said out of nearly 3,500 Medal of Honor recipients, only one has been a woman. And this was an article published back in 2017. Um, but I mean, it's still relevant now. We've only had one woman Medal of Honor recipient. And for a time, they actually rescinded her Medal of Honor uh, designation, which is crazy. Why, you know, why would women want to identify that they've served in the military when they're not getting honored at this, at this caliber? Yeah, that's a really difficult conversation. I think, you know, she definitely deserved it. Um, I would say, you know, we have um, right now our every every state, every uh, congressman and woman of, from almost every state, there's been 
support for the six triple eight. I don't know if you've, you know, if you've heard of them. So it was an all African American group of women that went overseas and they helped sort out mail for, 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 for men that were in combat at the time. Um, and there's actually still like six or seven that are living and, you know, and so that's a really great opportunity to highlight women veterans, you know, during this time. Um, so it, it, it should be, um, coming up soon. They wanted to honor them for Women's History Month, and they also wanted to get them, I think, the, a congressional medal um, for their service and to recognize them. So, um, you know, I would, I would say to anybody listening, you know, to, to reach out to your, to your U.S. congressperson in your area and let them know that you want them to support this, you know, this initiative for the six triple eight women. Yeah, and we'll we'll be talking with Miss Parker from the Women Veterans Memorial later on today during the show, so we can get a little bit more um, insight on that. And that's that's a great point. And you know, just speaking to every listener out there, you know, we 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 want to say that you know women serve in a huge capacity. We have forty seven thousand that we can account for here in the state of Michigan, but there's over two million in the United States women veterans serving, and so. When you see a vehicle parked in a parking lot in a spot that's veteran specific and you see a woman getting out of that vehicle, don't assume that she has no right to be there because there are many of us out there who are who are silently, you know, um, going through through life, having served and not really putting it out there to the masses that we did. And so we I'm encouraging people to come forward because there are many opportunities, housing opportunities, uh, resources and benefits that are out there for veterans to take advantage of men and women included. So, Erica, if you could just highlight a little bit, um, we have been really trying to work hard and we'll talk about this again in a few months, but really trying to work hard to let women know that we recognize them and that we recognize their service through some of the things that we've been doing. We have our Women Veterans Recognition Day in June 12th. But also this last year, um, we've we've been working, um, you've been working more closely with about six women in the state of Michigan. Can you just highlight that a little bit, what that is and what's coming? Yeah, definitely. So we've we've launched our She is a Veteran campaign. It's been going, um, I think we did it in June. Yeah, our first launch was in June of, of 2020. Um, the goal was to launch these stories. Um, we had to change because of COVID, obviously, and go virtual. But we're launching stories that that women veterans are even now. You know, they are they're listening to them and they're identifying with them, and they're you know, it, it's making them really think about um, you know whether they're a veteran or not, or you know, and think about some of the experiences they had in the military. So. We chose these women um, and they've been brave and courageous enough to share their stories with us and we're highlighting them. And, you know, we have a fantastic, um, you know, comms team and, and Andrew Robichaud has been amazing and putting these videos and these stories together. But we've had over 1.4 million people view these these um, stories and they're touching people in ways, you know, that women are going to therapy and they're reaching out to other women veterans and they're trying to get connected to their benefits and they're talking about being veterans. And that's really the first step in this whole thing. Um, you know, we really want to do that and, and do some listening sessions and, and really just make Michigan a place for women veterans to feel comfortable to be in. So we will, we will have you on the show again to talk more about that March, I believe, 18th launch with Linda Jones, who's right from the Detroit area, right? That's right. Yeah. Right. 
So I, I want to thank you for joining our show today, and I hope you all will return when we come back on The Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to The Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now back to your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Well, welcome back to The Veterans Perspective. Today we're talking about women's history as well as some of those other uh, challenges uh, related to veterans, including housing, which affect women as well. But before we get into talking about the housing aspect, we're speaking with Lucretia Parker today, the Community Engagement Manager at Military Women's Memorial. Uh, Master Sergeant retired Lucretia Parker is a proud native of Fort Wayne, Indiana, with 28 years of honorable and distinguished service to the nation. She retired from the Army in September 2018, and currently she serves as the Community Engagement Manager for the Military Women's Memorial. Uh, Ms. Parker was appointed to the Department of Veteran Affairs Center for Women Veterans Advisory Committee um, as a member on that panel. She has also volunteered as a dental assistant with Mission of Mercy in Frederick, Maryland, and served at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, Bethesda, Restorative Dental Clinic as a dental assistant volunteer. She holds a bachelor's degree in liberal arts from Excelsior College. Miss um, Parker is Mrs. Parker is married, and together with her husband Reggie, they have five children. Welcome, Lucretia. Thank you, thank you, Miss Adams. I appreciate it. Now you know it's just amazing that we have a military women's memorial. Um, I was just speaking with Erica this morning about um, the only Medal of Honor or recipient who happens to be a female, um, Dr. Mary Walker, and so to have someone on the call today to talk about the fact that we have an entire memorial uh, type of museum um, for us is huge. So can you tell us a little bit about that and, and why you think that's important for us to, to have for women veterans? Oh, absolutely. So I, I joined um, here at the memorial probably about seven months ago. And the memorial in itself, I didn't even know about the memorial until a couple years ago. And it has a history to tell our story. All the female veterans or females that have ever served uh, from World War, the Revolutionary War to present to tell our story. And so, the, of course, it sits in Arlington National Cemetery at the hemicycle of it. And you see this beautiful building. Um, you go inside and you have all the history that is needed um, from one to recognize women. And so of course, some people like myself before working here, I bypassed it. And um, coming in, there's this history that I think many women um, that have served, of course, it's so important that we know that. We know the history, we know the uniforms, we know um, the service of many that have come before us. And uh, every day that I come in to work, I see um, new articles and new um, acts of women that have served that I didn't even know that served. And they probably have served from three months to 28 years like myself and beyond. And so it's, it's something that we need to recognize and take place in, and it's an honor. And so if you ever have a chance to come to Arlington, Virginia, uh, right next door to Arlington National Cemetery, there sits the Women's Memorial. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. So I, I'm, I'm sure people are wondering, well, 
you know, one, if I am to visit, is there a cost? But the second thing is, is that, you know, how do I make sure my history is preserved there as a woman veteran? So that, that, that's a great question. So our mission, the Military Women's Memorial, we honor and tell the stories of women past, present, who have served our nation, right? And we, we have a registry. Um, the registry, of course, um, when you register your service, and it, you can go to the womensmemorial.org and you see how to register. Um, once you do that, you put your information in and um, it, it preserves, of course, this run repository. We have over 3 million women that have served. And right now it's only, only, we say only, over 320, 25 women that have registered in our system. And so we need all the women to register. If you go online, you can see her story and you can register at womensmemorial.org. So you can register um, your, you can register one of your loved ones who passed away. You can register yourself. You can, so, so, you know, I love this because, you know, I, I finally registered a few years ago and it's free to register, by the way, I want to put that out there, but you may be thinking, well, I, you know, I didn't, I I didn't do anything heroic necessarily, or I wasn't in combat. And so why would I want to be memorialized in a, in a, in a woman? Women's Memorial, but I will say that, you know, I think I had those same reservations as well. You know, here I was a PFC and didn't, you know, didn't, didn't do anything, I think, extraordinary, but I signed up, I took my oath, and I was willing to put my life on the line for my country um, and, and give it all up for, for, for America. And so I think that that enough, that alone buys you entry to be memorialized in, in the memorial. It, that is correct. You know, many women that we come across, that that's exactly their same sentiment. So that they only, they only, and not only um, did they serve, they raised their right hand. And so it's just like the piece of a jigsaw puzzle. And I tell this to all the females that I come across, we need you because you're a part of this puzzle, right? And so my, my husband served as well. And our children, they recognize dad as being the service member and being, um, of course, dad, these great things. But I served as well. And it's for my children and my children's children to recognize that mom served. Mom is a mom. Mom is a wife. Mom is a service member. And so we need to keep the history going and being recognized. Just like those that have come before us. And I bring up the six triple eight. Those women have laid the foundation, um, one part of it, especially by being the first African-American battalion to have served overseas. It is recognized their history and their stories and being told they didn't serve a long period of time, several of them. And it was 855 women that was a part of the 6888. And right now there's only seven that seven that's remaining alive because of their history. I wouldn't know that if it wasn't for the memorial and getting recognized by that. And so that motivates me to tell the story and reach out to other females that have served as well. Well, and I, 
you know, I think that that is, that's a great sentiment. And I hope that all of our listeners are listening to that. You have a family member, a loved one, or you are that person who served, you should go ahead and register. I mean, you can actually print out a very nice uh, printed copy of your, your service and what it looks like memorialized and, and put it in a book for you to pass down to your children and your grandchildren. But the other thing is, is that when you go to the memorial, which I thought was really cool, you can search your name or search, you know, anybody's name that you know, that's been registered and they pop up on this huge screen where anybody who's passing by could see that you're registered there. And what, what pride that I thought and proud moment that is. And it's funny that you say that we had a gentleman that came in with his girlfriend just the other day and um, they pulled half, they knew the grandmother had served. She didn't talk about it much, but knew the grandmother had served. They searched for her in the database and there she was. And at that moment, there was a proud moment of a granddaughter and knowing her grandmother with her beautiful uniform on and she had a moment. And this is why we continue to tell the story and register more women because who would have thought to see her to pull up her grandmother in the registry? Well, I, you know, I want to thank you, but before you go, I am going to put this call out there. I am challenging Michigan women veterans or women veterans who lived in Michigan and served in Michigan to register. This is a challenge. I I want our state to be number one in the number of women veterans of our 47,000 women veterans who served and registering. So again, where can women find more information about registering at the women, at the military women's memorial? They can go to women's memorial.org online and they can find her story in that tab and you register right there. It's free to register. And so we would love to see, we would love to see their profile in our registry. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Lucretia, and for doing all that you do to, to save our history. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And just stick stick with us when we return on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now back to your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. As I promised, we were going to be talking about not only women's history on this show, but we're also going to be speaking about housing and the different supports surrounding that. Joining me today, our next guests are Dina Fachakovich and Rich Wilson from Michigan Ability Partners. Michigan Ability Partners works with veterans and people who have disabilities in support of their self-directed transformation to self-sufficiency. Annually with approximately 30 staff, Michigan Ability Partners serves over 1,500 people through permanent supported housing, supportive services, including case management, rapid rehousing, employment training, job placement services, and representative payee services. They own and operate 42 units, I'm sorry, 44 units of affordable housing at seven sites in Washtenaw County and currently serve Washtenaw, Jackson, Wayne, and Monroe counties. Welcome to the show, Dina and Rich. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, housing, supportive housing for veterans. And so I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what Michigan Ability Partners does for disabled veterans or mm-hmm. disabled people in general. 
Sure. So I work with um, two of our veterans programs. One is our grant per diem GPD transitional housing program. Through this program, we help veterans who are experiencing literal homelessness. We help them by getting them connected to resources in the community. And our main focus is to get them housed into their own permanent housing. Um, and there's a couple ways we do that, um, which brings me to my next um, program that I run, which is our Supportive Services for Veteran Families program, our SSVF program. In this program, we're able to help veterans who are experiencing homelessness by helping them find the housing. It's more the direct hands-on work to get them housed. And with that, we also help with security deposit and two months of rent. A lot of people might not have the income to, you know, collect $2,000 just right off rip to pay that. So that's kind of where we come in. We help them find housing and get settled in there. Okay. And so you talked a little bit about, so is this um, with the SSVF, is that kind of like what you utilize the HUD VASH vouchers for? HUD VASH is a completely different thing. Sometimes we do help veterans who work with HUD VASH. Um, HUD VASH is where they get the voucher. It's similar to Section 8, mm -hmm. um, and they offer case management with that as well. We can help connect them to that if needed. Um, and sometimes we work in collaboration with them as well to get their security deposits paid through our SSVF program. Right. And so it looks like you not only help with housing, but you also assist with uh, vocational skills as well. So, so that you have yeah. that the means of income. So can you tell us a little bit about that, Rich? So we have the homeless veterans reintegration program. It's a program from the department of labor and we kind of come in after um, their during their housing transition or if they're in a housing crisis and we help veterans get employment and became, become stable through, through that employment. So it's a super easy referral process. Um, the veteran, their case manager, a family member, anyone can go to our website, mapagency.org forward slash HVRP and send a referral over. And so what we do is we intake the veteran, we assess what career goals they have, like what their immediate needs are to help them get into employment and stabilize them. It's a really, it's a really scary process for folks going from either being homeless or about to become homeless. There's a lot of things they need to do. So HBRP assists them with the job part so they, they don't have to worry about that. Well, that's great. I mean, and so you, you, it, you help people with disabilities, not only to be, to, to have roofs over their, a roof over their head, but also to, to have some stability and, and choices that maybe could result in a career. So I guess I would ask the question that many people may be thinking, how do I qualify for this? Is it like, do I, can I be 10% disabled through the VA and qualify, or do I have to have a hundred percent disability or what, what are some of the criteria? For HBRP, it's um, any, like a DD-214 um, or active service with no dishonorable discharge. And then um, just either living in transitional housing, um, they're homeless or worried they're going to be homeless. Like if people are behind on rent mortgages, we'll be able to enroll them that way. And then Dina can kind of touch base about SSVF. Mm-hmm. So with SSBF, we help individual, pretty much our main criteria is they have to have served, served active duty. Um, they have to have proof of their DD-214. They have to be within income guidelines um, for Washtenaw County. And then um, 
they have to just be experiencing homelessness or on the verge of homelessness. So, uh, you know, back, they owe rent, they're behind on rent, they're about to get evicted, something like that would make them eligible for our services. So they don't necessarily have to have a um, shown or documented disability um, with the VA or anywhere? Not for our SSBF or GPD programs. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So, so I wanted to kind of merge kind of what we we're talking about today um, and talking about women veterans. So, you know, we've talked about uh, with, with our, one of our earlier guests that we have 47,000 women veterans in the state of Michigan. And, you know, we talk about our homeless population, which seems very low, but I know for certain that there are women veterans out there who have children who are not saying that they're homeless because they obviously don't want to lose their children. They don't want to put that at risk. And so are you seeing women veterans with families or children coming through your programs? And um, how, what would you say to other women who may be experiencing the same thing? So we do serve women through our SSBF program and we, we do see women quite frequently. Um, we do see families as well. Our program can serve veteran families as well. So we do see them and they are eligible for our services. And if they need them, they can talk to us. You know, if they even want to explore what our services offer, we are always welcome to talk. Okay. And are you seeing them take advantage of the vocational opportunities as well, Rich? Yeah. Like right now, it's a huge issue with finding childcare in the epidemic for people to even get back to work. So that's something we're trying to connect veterans with resources to be able to even go back to work. So it's, it's a big issue that um, not a lot of people are talking about and they should be talking about. So um, I guess I would ask another question then you have 44 units of affordable housing. Do you have openings in that housing? And if not, you assist with other types of housing outside of the 44 units? Yeah. So we are, <laughs> um, our permanent supported housing is all through Hawk. So the housing access of Washtenaw County. So we generally don't have any open units. Um, they go pretty quickly. There's a by name list of where people move from that into our housing. And so it's a pretty quick process. So um, we always, I always refer veterans to try to access SSVF um, if they're in need, like it's important to contact the VA. And then if, we're not able to help folks, we get them in touch with the folks that can. Okay. Well, that, I mean, that sounds great. I mean, and I, I want to let our listeners know that this is a great resource. Michigan Ability Partner seems like they can put you in touch, especially, you know, with everything we're dealing with, with this pandemic. And, and if you're trying to get connected and trying to find out about additional resources related to um, uh, finding support uh, through your disability or finding housing or housing opportunities, and even um, you know finding um, vocational opportunities. Michigan Ability Partners is there for you, and we're going to ask them for your information. And then I'm going to make sure that um, you can always call us at one eight hundred Mishvet. That's one eight hundred six four two four eight three eight to get connected to all the resources that show up on our show. But really quickly, if you can let us know where people can find out more information or to get in contact with you. Um, they can check out mapagency.org for our main website um, and feel free to email me at rwilson at mapagency.org for any questions. Okay. That's great. So that's M-A-P, like the map you use to search, yep. agency.org. Um, and we will make, and that's or rwilson at mapagency.org. 
So yep. thank, thank you so much, Dina and Rich, for joining us today. This has been a very informative discussion. Thank you. It's thank our you. pleasure. Thank you. And so when we return on the Veterans Perspective, we'll be speaking with Fred Puffenberger of the VFW National Home for Children. So stick around. Thanks. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now back to your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We are joined by our final guest today, Frederick Puffenberger from the VFW National Home for Children. On May 22nd, 2019, Mr. Puffenberger uh, assumed the role of Executive Director of the VFW National Home for Children. In this position, he leads the National Home's director team, which oversees the programming, facilities, finance, operations, human resources, and development and marketing departments. An Eaton Rapids native and graduate of Central Michigan University, he has spent most of his childhood years on the VFW campus with his friends who resided there, which afforded him the opportunity to become deeply familiar with the mission, spirit, and value of the VFW National Home for Children. So welcome to the show, Fred. Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, Director Adams. It's a pleasure. Well, you know, we're talking about um, different things today. We've been talking about women's history. We've been talking about housing opportunities. And I'd love to tell for you to tell us more about the VFW National Home for Children. Well, sure. I appreciate that. Um, we were founded 96 years ago, uh, just outside of Eaton Rapids. And originally, the mission was to take care of the spouses and the children of veterans who had served. Um, and we still do that. But now and then it became a, a children only place for a while in the mid 2000s we morphed back into what we were started as and that is a home for families veterans and families and children uh to kind of recover from from uh, i guess i kind of like to say it's a connecting flight to the rest of their life it's at one point when you serve and then we want to help you get through any kind of issues you may have encountered after getting out and you can uh, go ahead and pursue the, the balance of your life uh, so it's it's really uh, more back into where we started 96 years ago. Well, that's great. And so it's not necessarily just a home for children. It's a home for families and their children as well. So that's good to hear. Um, so so who does this serve? I know you talked about about um, veterans and their families, but, you know, what are some of the eligibility requirements to to take? part in what you have going on at the VFW Yeah, National. well, the, the um, and I'll give you the website address before we leave, but the, there's a, the, the eligibility standards are you have to be either a VFW or auxiliary member, a veteran, or a, a deployed veteran that you're, you can, you can apply from those characteristics. Um, the, and you have to have a child. You can be married or, or single with a child. Um, in the VFW auxiliary category, you can become uh, eligible to, uh, and there's a process that's, it takes a while to go through, but you can become eligible if your parent or your grandparent or your great-grandparents served our country honorably. Um, So my great-grandfather, let's say, um, could, could, uh, who's a VFW auxiliary member, I could join if I had a family and, and needed some assistance based on that eligibility. So it's a really wide open category. Well, that's great to hear because, you know, people are looking for opportunities out there. So this is great to know. Um, what, what does the, the, what is the living like? So is it, is it like a home, single home campus or like an apartment? Like what, what is that like? 
There are 42 brick homes. It's like almost like a, a military campus in that regard. We have, uh, we have gymnasium, we have an auditorium, we have uh, softball fields, we have a, a pond out back you can fish in. It's a very, it's a very relaxed setting. 42 homes sponsored by VFW and auxiliary members throughout the country. We are a private nonprofit and 90% of our income comes from those who have served us earlier uh, in the VFW folks and the auxiliary folks. So um, double story houses. And I think when they go to the website at vfwnationalhome.org, there's plenty of videos there. It's 42 homes, 629 acres in, in good old fashioned farmland just outside of Eaton Rapids. Um, so, you know, just for our listeners, is there a cost um, and is there a, a limit to the number, the size family that can stay there? Um, no, the cost, there is no cost. There is no cost. The, the only cost is incurred by the residents is the cost of the sweat equity they put in the program they want to follow. And um, the program runs one to four years. And every year there, you sit down with a case manager, you're assigned a case manager, and the program itself is individualized to what your needs are. Um, we cover all areas, whether it's career plans, education, relationships, health, wellness, finances, uh, household management, uh, and needs of the children. All of those things can be covered in that four years, and uh, there is no cost whatsoever. And is it, is it income-based? So how would, you know, is that part of the eligibility? Well, in the eligibility process, there, there's, and it is, you know, it does, it is a bit of a humbling experience for folks because yeah, we, we, we look at your credit scores. We, we look at your, you get recommendations. It, it's, you really have to open up your, your heart and your mind to be able to want to make these changes. And uh, no, it's not income-based. If, if, if you qualify and you have a need, that you can fit into a program, um, then, then we can do that. But it, it, it's, it's designed to help people transition to the rest of their life, like I said. And we got some great success stories, um, just wonderful success stories. We have a, a veteran who left us with a master's degree, he didn't come in with it, but left us with that. And uh, the family left the program once they got done so he could begin a new master's degree in the state of Washington, where they're from. Uh, he wants to be a mental health counselor. So, and his wife wants to go to uh, law school. So be able to go out to, to VFW National for Children, catch your breath, don't have to wait, you don't have to worry about utility costs or housing costs. We have a daycare there for your children. We have plans for, we have a 4-H program that the kids can, can raise pigs and they sell them at the county fair. Um, and uh, yeah, the only thing you need to have is, is some children and some good work ethic, and this is for you. It's really an unbelievable, unbelievable opportunity to help people. That really definitely is. seems unbelievable. And, and so are you seeing more women veterans taking advantage of this or, or is this one of those hidden gems a lot of people well, don't know about? I, you know, it's, it's uh, serendipitous because um, I went to the, uh, the Lansing Post uh, about, well, before the COVID and met with uh, so wink, a Wink meeting they had there. And I really opened my eyes and touched my heart like, like there's no other. And so uh, recently, about two weeks ago, I reached out to Melissa, Wa uh, Melissa Washington out in California, who does a women's uh, alliance, women's veterans alliance. And she and I, she was just, she had not heard from us, heard about us, I should say. And, and she and I, I said, I think it's a hand in a glove. So we would like to concentrate on some of those, you know, less uh, represented areas as such as women veterans. Yeah, we would like not concentrate, but at least expose ourselves to those folks to be able to say, hey, we're here, we can help. 
Well, we are, we'll make sure at the MVAA with our Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator that she's continually referring people to this resource as she's working with women veterans in need. So absolutely, we will help get that word out. Um, yes. I, so I, I guess um, the other question I would have then, do you have any openings here in Michigan right now? Yeah, we do. We, we certainly we do. We have um, eight veteran families on campus now. We have 42 homes, as I mentioned. And because of the pandemic, you know, there's not been a lot of movement anywhere um, uh, to, throughout the country. But we have seven applications in process. We certainly have we have 26 homes occupied now. Eight of them are from, uh, veteran, directly veteran families, uh, a vet in the house or maybe two in some cases. So we do have that possibility to, to bring people in. And when they go to the website, there'll be a, a how to apply uh, button you push and you can go right through there. It takes about, because of COVID, it takes about one to three months to get everything. It's a fairly lengthy process, but we wanna make sure we bring people in that are, are dedicated to make, make the change. And it's, it's amazing. Like I said, we've, um, we have one other story, a former work crew kid, cause we have work crews for the kids in the summers, paid job. He joined AmeriCorps and then when she graduated high school, she plans to, to go to MSU for forestry. So something she learned while being at the home uh, spawned her into a career. Well, you know, Fred, you've been great. And um, so I would like to ask um, if you could provide us with the website uh, that we can yes. find out more information at. Yes, it's a VFW National Home, all one word, dot org. All right, vfwnationalhome.org. Thank you so much for joining us today, Fred. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And thank you again to our other guest, Lucretia Parker, the Community Engagement Manager at Military Women's Memorial, Dina Fachakovich and Rich Wilson from the Michigan Ability Partners. And again, Fred Puffenberger, the Executive Director at the VFW National Home for Children. And our special guest today, Erica Hoover, the Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator for the MVAA. Again, just remember that all of these websites and information can be found by giving us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. You can reach out to us for any of your needs and to find out resources near you. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week on The Veterans Perspective.